Welcome to Between the Headphones, a Georgia football podcast. I'm Stuart Steele, the sports editor at the Red and Black, and your host for this podcast series. Each week, the Red and Black football beat will look back on the previous week's game and preview the matchup for next week. In this episode, I'll speak to football beat writer Parth Patel about Georgia's 39-22 win against Kent State and preview the Georgia-Missouri game with football beat writer John James. Welcome back to the show, Parth. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Yeah, so um, Georgia-Kent State obviously ended up being a much closer game than many people expected, including the entire R&B football beat, pretty much. Um, what is your concern level with Georgia's performance on Saturday? Um, so I'd say it isn't really that high. I think offensively, I'm not really that concerned at all. The offense was mainly just a lot of bad drops and kind of just not playing with their best foot forward. But on the defensive side, I'd say there's a little bit of concern just because, um, you know, the way their secondary was kind of exposed with, um, you know, the touchdown they gave up to Kent State on that really big explosive play, I think could hurt them in SEC play when you've got like Tennessee down the road. So I think defensively, there's a little bit of concern, mainly just because, you know, the expectation for Georgia's defense is to be elite, kind of like it was last year and in previous years. And I think, you know, through the the first couple of games, um, you know, they played at a really high level, but then last, you know, last week it wasn't at that same level. So I think there's a little bit of concern there, but um, it ultimately just come down to how they kind of bounce back against Missouri. So I thought that that long touchdown, the 56-yarder on the quick screen was a concern because Kent State was able to go back to that kind of play a couple times and still have some success. And it was interesting how on that specific play, Kamari Lasseter got basically walled off from being able to make a play. And that's not what we're accustomed to seeing from Georgia's corners. Darian Kendrick and Keely Ringo last year were both very physical corners, and that was that helped a lot with that outside defense. And I think that was, you know, that was a Mac receiver, and an SEC receiver is going to be even worse to deal with out there. I mean, Tennessee throws those kinds of passes all the time. Cedric Tillman will eat you up on those kinds of passes. So I think it was a concern, but I think I agree as well that it's not going to... I think Georgia's going to shore it up, I believe, in Kirby Smart and his staff. And I believe in this defensive personnel overall to be able to bounce back against Missouri and in bigger games down the line as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's just slight concern, as you said, with Tennessee having, you know, playmakers on offense that could potentially expose that kind of, you know, the screenplay that Kent State was running. But I think with just Kirby's way of kind of bouncing back, I mean, we saw it in Sanford. It, you know, they won 33-0, but it wasn't the prettiest of all games. And they came back against South Carolina, and it was pure dominance, like what they did against Oregon. So I think, I think the level of concern is really small. Right now for Georgia, I just expect them to bounce back against Missouri. We kind of covered the defense there, but I did want to talk a little bit more about the offensive performance. You said you weren't super concerned with it, um, but obviously three turnovers is not a way to win football games in general. I mean, how concerning were the turnovers, and, and what did you think of Ladd McConkie specifically? Because he was obviously kind of the standout poor performance, at least in the first half. Yeah, I mean, I thought the turnovers were just a lot of sloppy football being played. This Stetson obviously had a really bad interception, and you know, a couple of plays before that too, he almost threw a pick. So, I think Stetson was a little off. I think just the offense as a whole was kind of um, not, you know, 
they were just sloppy in a sense, and I don't I don't think it's concerning though, just because we've seen the offense play at a high level against you know really good programs like Oregon and South Carolina, and I think I think Lad McConkey just had a really uh, you know bad day from the start with his muff punt. I think that was just the kind of you know lack of a play of not fair catching that. I think he was just trying to do a little bit too much right out of the gate, and then you know it piled on a little bit with the drops, but I thought he bounced back pretty nicely in the second half. I think he finished with as Georgia's leading receiver, which was, you know, really good for him. And I think I think Kirby said it post game too, like Lad's gonna be a big part of that offense. And I think, you know, Lad Lad's shown that he can be a playmaker. And I mean I'm not really concerned about Lad or anything. I think he was just had an off day. Yeah, I mean I agree with your overall point there. My one thing about Lad's performance is I was concerned with how long a leash he was given. Not that they should completely abandon anyone after one fumble or anything, but he had the muffed punt. He fumbled the play. Uh, he fumbled on the catch. He dropped a touchdown. He dropped another. That was probably going to be a touchdown. It was a little bit in front of him, that one. But um, I thought Ladd should have been taken out of the game a little bit earlier and given, like, the hat. Like, he did come out in the second half and play well. And I think that would have been great if he pulled them after that second fumble, maybe, and just let him, you know, get in the right headspace at halftime and come out and play good, play well again. So... That was the one thing is if you have a guy who's playing that poorly against Alabama, against Tennessee, against Kentucky, and it starts snowballing and suddenly, you know, he has four super negative plays that have a really big impact. Like, I can't imagine Kirby's going to let that happen again. And I, I, I would assume it was just a result of the opponent. But I was a little concerned with that. Yeah, I mean, I I. I was definitely surprised by how long Ladd stayed in the game in that first half, but I think overall if it was, you know, against the SEC team, I think Ladd would have been out of the game. I um, you know, I also don't think that I think if AD Mitchell was 100% healthy, Ladd would have been taken out much sooner, but just cuz of how thin Georgia is at wide receiver, I think that kind of provided him, you know, a little bit longer leash to stay in the game. So I think there's been a lot of negativity around the Georgia-Kent State game from fans, from analysts, from pretty much everyone because it wasn't a big blowout like people expected. But there were still positives to take from the game for Georgia. I thought it was the offensive line's best performance to this point, the most consistent one. They allowed one sack, and it was really a Stetson thing. But um, what did you see from the offensive line, which has been a group we've kind of, as a beat, been a little concerned with? Yeah, I thought the offensive line did a really good job. You know, Stetson had a lot of time on most of his passes. Again, the one sack he had was mainly his fault, but the O-line did a really good job helping out the offense, I thought, especially with the rushing game. You know, when the passing aspect of the offense wasn't going with all the miscues and drops, I thought Georgia was able to kind of rely on their running backs and just run the ball, especially in the fourth quarter, to kind of just end the game. And any chance of, you know, Kent State pulling closer, I thought Georgia's offense did a really good job and their O-line really of just, you know, running just smash-mouth football and just running running right through Kent State's defense there to close the game. Yeah, I was really encouraged by the, the running game as well, which has been kind of a big question mark for us throughout the first three weeks. Um, Dejon Edwards looked really good. And then Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh were able to make some plays. Kendall almost had a long touchdown. He got tackled. There were a couple times where there were these long runs and just the last man was able to make the tackle. And I think that that's kind of the next step for this rushing offense is breaking off 
those big plays. Obviously, Bowers the exception, but that's a little bit of an unconventional run play, even though Georgia does go to that pretty frequently now. But um, I think being able to finish off long runs and scoring some of those touchdowns instead of it being a 30-yard pop, which is still helpful. But um, I think make, turning those into long touchdowns is going to be the next step for this offense. Yeah, I mean, I thought obviously we haven't seen kind of those long touchdowns from the rushing game, but I was encouraged by the kind of, you know, mediocre-sized runs just because especially those happening in the fourth quarter kind of showed the physicality that O-line was playing with, especially in the fourth quarter, which, you know, a lot of the starting offense for Georgia hasn't really played in the fourth quarter, so I thought it was a good step for them to kind of, you know, still be physical in that quarter and kind of just ice the game by just running it right through Kent State. One area where Georgia looked like they were improving early in this game was with the pressures and finishing off some of those pressures with sacks. They got three sacks pretty early in the game. Dumas Johnson was two of them. Nolan Smith was the other one after only having one sack through three games. But then pressure kind of dried up and it was similar to how it's been uh, a little bit in those first three games. What do you think goes into the lack of sacks from this front and maybe not a lack of pressures, but at least on Saturday they kind of struggled to put Schley under a lot of pressure yeah I think it's been one of the kind of bigger question marks this season is kind of the D-line's been you know pretty good at getting pressures but it just hasn't converted into sacks and I think Georgia you know they adjusted to it a little bit in that first half using their linebackers to kind of bring home the pressure but I think I think the D-line is just it's in a situation where especially going against you know a team like Kent State they're you know coming in with the game plan of kind of quick passes and it's kind of taking away you know that ability for the D-line to kind of get to the quarterback and I think I think you see that with them not getting the sacks but they're still getting the pressure so I think it's just one of those things where I think when you know Georgia starts playing more SEC opponents and they you know they start taking deep shots against the secondary and stuff I think that's when you'll see kind of the sacks coming. Yeah I agree I think the game plan for Kent State was a little bit like Oregon's at times where it was those quick passes, get it out of the quarterback's hands ASAP because you know you're going to get those pressures. But I thought Georgia, I felt like Jalen Carter was missed in this game. And obviously that makes sense since he's, he's probably Georgia's best defender. But I mean, I think they need him back to just be that force in the middle that takes up a couple guys. Because right now there's not really anybody you have to double team necessarily. I mean, Zion Logue's a great player. Nolan Smith is pretty good, but has been kind of quiet surprisingly and I think that they need that guy who's kind of the focus of the offensive game plan back yeah I think having Carter back is going to really help them especially when they head down to play some you know more intense SEC opponents like Tennessee because I think I think the one thing against Kent State was you know they went with the quick passes and screen and they were actually able to get some yardage which you know if you know an SEC opponent like Tennessee starts doing that and kind of eliminates the pass rush could be a problem for Georgia's defense later in the season but I think having a guy like Jalen Carter back to being a disruptive figure on that D-line will certainly help Georgia down the road. Yeah and then the one defender I was super impressed with on Saturday in spite of the kind of mediocre performance was Jamon Dumas Johnson who I think is really coming into his own as the top linebacker for this team and I think that's that's a good sign because obviously they're replacing Nicobe Dean, Quay Walker, Channing Tindall and that was one of our big questions coming into the season and then Munden also had a really good game on Saturday so I think it's good to see the linebacking core start to really come into focus. Yeah, I mean, I think the linebacking core, Johnson and Munden, have done a really good job stepping up. Nolan Smith, like you said, has been a little bit quiet this season, but, you know, it's Nolan Smith. I expect him to bounce back, and I think that could be a very good trio for Georgia later on in the season. Thanks for coming on the show, Parth. Thanks for having me, Stuart. 
Now joining the show is football beat writer John James. Happy to be here, Stu. Yeah, so I did want to talk a little bit coming off of that Kent State game about what you think Georgia's mindset will be coming into Saturday against Missouri and how you think that's going to manifest in the game itself. I think Georgia's doesn't have a lot to prove per se, but I do think Kirby's going to want his guys to come out and make a statement in this game. He wasn't particularly angry in the post-game press conference, which I thought was a little surprising, but I do think he, he felt that the team did not play up to the standard that he feels they're capable of, and I think he'll really want them to assert themselves against Missouri. Yeah, I think that lack of anger from Kirby was not necessarily, I think it was understanding the team he has. I think that he has a lot of people, a lot of players like Stetson and uh, the defense, and I mean, pretty much just the whole team that understand the standard now and that know Saturday wasn't an acceptable performance from Georgia's perspective. And they spoke to that. I mean, Stetson talked about the turnovers. You can't have that, all that stuff. And I think Kirby understands that he can be a little bit less hands-on with the motivation part of it, at least in the press. And I think that's interesting because it was a juxtaposition with the Samford game where he was very much, you know, angry after that game, I felt like. So I think I think Kirby maybe saw something in his team in these last two weeks where he knows they're going to be able to respond. I think so, too. Um, and the opening line for the game, per FanDuel, is uh, that Georgia is favored by 28 points. I'd be surprised if they won by anything less than 30. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tough game for Missouri. I think there's going to be... You said Georgia doesn't have anything to prove, which I think is true in a sense, but Georgia will make it feel like they had something to prove, and Georgia may feel like internally they have something to prove and I think Georgia all the great teams in college football and pro football to me are the ones that can motivate even in the face of praise that can like overcome being considered a great team and just go out there and still be a great team and I think Georgia's like that Alabama's like that and I think they'll show it on Saturday so obviously neither of us necessarily feels like Missouri has a real shot in this game uh, mostly because of the way Georgia's probably going to come out but um what do you feel is the path to victory for Missouri and pulling off a potential huge upset it would be a huge upset and luckily for Missouri I think that they're talent on offense is the kind of talent you need to beat Georgia. Their receivers are all quick and they can break tackles and they can make you miss in the open field. And that's something that happened to Georgia against Kent State on that 56-yard touchdown pass. So I think if Missouri is going to beat Georgia, they're going to need the Bulldogs to kind of beat themselves with missing tackles and making bad decisions. I agree. I think Georgia would have to, like you said, beat, beat themselves with turnovers. I mean, that's the big one for me. If Missouri can get three turnovers like Kent State did, maybe they can make it a close game. But the problem, I think they do have good offensive personnel. It's an SEC program, obviously. They all have some good offensive personnel. But I don't believe in Eli Drinkwitz as a play caller at all, and I don't think he's going to challenge Kirby Smart very much in this game. I don't, I don't think it's a good matchup for Missouri from a coaching perspective at all, and I think that's going to show pretty hard throughout the game. Well, one of the problems there is that Missouri wants to run the ball. This team doesn't want to pass. And I think if it's a matchup between Missouri's offensive line and Georgia's defensive line, Georgia's defensive line wins that 99 times out of 100. I agree. I think I think passing the ball is the way through. I mean, you're going to need big plays. That's kind of the other part of it and the other part of the formula to beating Georgia. And it, 
it's almost impossible. I mean, you need those big plays occasionally. You're going to have to force those turnovers, get those bad decisions that Georgia doesn't generally make, even though they did make some last Saturday. And I just don't see Missouri being able to conjure up enough to really trouble Georgia. So one of those talented players on the Missouri offense who would be potentially causing problems for Georgia is wide receiver Luther Burden. He's a freshman who was recruited pretty heavily by Georgia and chose to go to Missouri. And there have been some questions about his usage early on in the season. And I wanted to ask you what you think of Burden generally and whether you think he's going to be a problem in this game. I think Burden is one of Missouri's best options on offense, but I think the problem there is that they just don't use him enough. I know a lot of people across the nation have had problems with Drinkowitz's usage of burden. RG3 specifically was scalding his analysis. Um, but I think because of that usage issue, burden might not be as big of a factor in this Georgia game as he could be. Yeah, and then so part of that is on Monday, which is when we're recording this, Luther Burden removed all of his Missouri pictures from Instagram and did the old, you know, Debo Samuel kind of social media thing. He's patiently waiting, dot, dot, dot. And I think that's a major concern for Missouri because this was a big deal when they landed this recruit. And it's one of those where you hope you can make that recruit happy and he'll, you know, kind of attract other players who maybe want to be that star on a kind of mid-tier program, which is a nice place to be. But then you get him here and you don't use him and you don't give him the opportunities to be that guy. And and maybe it's because he hasn't practiced well. I don't know the ins and outs of the Missouri football program, but I know that one of the things that Kirby has done a good job with is when a freshman deserves to play on offense, especially, you know, Brock Bowers, A.D. Mitchell last year. I mean, he lets him play. And I think that's an important thing to understand. And I'm not sure Drinkwitz is is giving Burden enough of a shot. So from Georgia's side of things, what position group do you see as having a big performance for Georgia or having a particularly strong day? Well, I kind of already touched on this, but Missouri is going to want to run the ball. So I think Georgia's defensive line is really going to have to step up here and assert themselves in this game. And I think they will. Um, it's up in the air whether or not Jalen Carter is going to play this weekend. He's nursing a bit of an ankle issue. Um, so in his absence, potentially, I think we could see Nazir Stackhouse coming up and just really making making an impact on this game. I think going to the offensive side of the ball, it's a big game for, obviously, it's easy to say Stetson's going to bounce back because he, he's played so much better than he did on Saturday all season. But I think the receivers are going to have a big game. I think Ladd McConkey is going to you know, show up. I think Darnell Washington is going to make a couple plays. And I think we're going to see somebody emerge. We've been waiting for somebody to step into that A.D. Mitchell spot and make some plays. I'm not sure who it's going to be. I think Rosemary Jack Saint is a good pick. I think Dylan Bell is a good pick for that. And I think one of those guys is going to put together a four or five catch outing and really assert himself as part of this receiver rotation. So wrapping up uh, our discussion of Georgia-Missouri, what's your pick for the game and what's your score prediction? We've been hinting at it all podcasts so far. We're not, neither you or I are high on Eli Drinkowitz's team or his ability as a coach. So I don't think the Tigers have much of a chance in this one. I'm going to go Bulldogs 45, Tigers 6, and a game that is pretty much over by halftime. I pretty much agree exactly. The way Missouri 
managed to lose that game against Auburn did not inspire a lot of confidence in this team. And Georgia, I believe, is a much better team than Auburn. So I got Georgia 56, Missouri 0. All right. Thanks for coming on the show, John. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Stu. Thanks for listening to Between the Headphones. I'm Stuart Steele. You can find other episodes wherever you get your podcasts and on redandblack.com. For even more Georgia football coverage, visit redandblack.com slash gameday. We'll tee it up between the headphones again next week.